When I started this business, and I, I joke because I, I said this to someone, and they asked me how I got in the business. And I said, well, just like everybody else with the coin laundry, I expected to take a wheelbarrow full of money to the bank. <laughs> you know, right? This is a passive income <laughs> business. Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast, brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. This episode of the Planet Laundry Podcast is brought to you by Speed Queen, the leading name in laundromat equipment. Need more flexibility in your life? With Speed Queen Insights, you can manage your laundromat from anywhere. Be in control of your time, store, and machines with Speed Queen. Maximize your life at speedqueencommercial.com slash technology. This is the Planet Laundry Podcast. I'm your host and the editor of Planet Laundry Magazine, Bob Neiman. Today, I'm with Kent Wales. Kent is from Spokane, Washington, where he and his wife, Monica, are the owners of Happy Laundry and Dry Cleaning, a company that specializes in commercial laundry, personal laundry, and dry cleaning services. Interestingly, uh, Kent also is an Eagle Scout with a lifelong passion for leadership. What's more, he purchased uh, his first business after playing Robert Kiyosaki's board game, Cash Flow, where apparently he uh, frequently won the game by purchasing coin-operated businesses. Kent's first corporate job uh, was with Boeing uh, as an industrial engineer. Hey, Kent, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, no worries, Bob. Thanks for having me. Much yeah, you bet. It's been, it's been a long and, long and winding path, it sounds like, to get to where, uh, <laughs> where you are today. Yeah, we're, uh, what is this now? Six, I'm going to say, Dave Menz actually corrected me. I, I kept saying like 15 or 16 years and he did the math one day. He's like, I think it's longer than that. So it's like 16 <laughs> or 17 years in business now. So. <laughs> Absolutely. A, a long time. Listen, I am thrilled to have you on the podcast today because you do it all. I mean, you're doing commercial laundry, you're doing residential laundry, you're doing uh, yep. pickup and delivery. I mean, you're a full service operation uh, in every sense of the word. But, but I'm curious, how does a Boeing engineer end up doing <laughs> other people's laundry? <laughs> you know, that's, that's funny you ask. I, I occasionally, when I'm doing a tour at the laundry that I don't want to do, I ask myself, oh, geez, this is what I use my college degree for? Just kidding, like taking out the draft. <laughs> but no, so how did I get here? That's a really good question. Um, after college, uh, had a couple little jobs, uh, finished work for the Forest Service as a firefighter, and uh, then worked for a camp of troubled kids. But, you know, went to work for Boeing. Luckily, through my sister, she got recruited in. One of the best things about working for Boeing is the education you get working there. And, you know, it was the early days of lean manufacturing that they were implementing at their at their plants. And so learning, you know, learning about process improvements was a huge part of what a huge part of my education there and time. So, you know, what does it have to do with laundry? You know, I look at things now specifically in pickup and delivery and, and the processes that we use, like it, it's a laundry factory, dirty in, clean out. I almost said that backwards. So I'm, gl I'm glad I got that one right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like, you know, your experiences at Boeing, certainly there was some transfer over to your laundry business, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that especially in the laundry business, when you get into service work and doing wash, dry, fold, and it, it is a it is like a factory setting. You are you are taking something, you're you're 
putting it through a process, you're, you're changing it, you're repackaging it and you're delivering it. So I think one of the, one of the best things about it is, is no, is learning how to track your process and the labor and the large costs that go through it and understanding, you know, what, what percentages of those are, are allocated to what thing, whether it's labor or logistics or your equipment costs, and then figuring out how to make things more efficient. Of course, labor is our largest in the service side of the business is our largest cost. And so anything that we can do to make an improvement and make our processors lives easier, it's, you know, just, just makes more sense. Right. It's also the good. Absolutely. Yes. Well, at, at Happy Laundry, uh, what's the current breakdown right now of commercial clients versus uh, mm-hmm. residential laundry that you do? So we, and I, I want to, I actually want to clarify one thing. We don't own a coin laundry anymore. We uh, closed the front end of our coin laundry because our service business got so busy and we were pushing everybody out anyway. We're at about 70% commercial, 30% residential. Okay. Okay. And how have those percentages shifted in recent years or have they? Well, they, they, it's, it's continually grown because the, especially on the commercial side, because that's been our focus. We find that it is more profitable of a customer. That's not to say that residential laundry isn't great, but with the equipment that we've put in and the processes we've, we've gotten to, you know, it's much easier to fold a bunch of towels and sheets than it can be a bunch of kids clothes, which I think we heard from some operators uh, at the wash dry fold conference recently. Everybody commits us about kids clothes and, Poundage and cost-wise, it definitely is. It's it's easier on the commercial side, but then there's the stain factor and the getting the getting those customers factor that takes uh, longer, in my opinion. Right, it's a completely different type of business, and and certainly running both of them in tandem is uh, that's a difficult uh, balancing act for sure. It can be. You know, we find on the logistics side, residential and commercial is great to mix together, especially if they're. You know, you've got neighborhood businesses that that are intermixed or near your residential customers. You can service them at a more frequent, more frequent cadence than you can say if you're just picking up commercial and you've got maybe larger routes and you're only going to be in one neighborhood a couple times a week. So that's it's certainly certainly on the service end we can service those small commercial customers better. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in, in, in a mixed kind of marketplace, I think that would be certainly perfect. And, and certainly you can, you have that niche of, again, like you say, the small commercial accounts that maybe the, uh, the larger uh, industrial or commercial laundries uh, aren't going to have time to uh, pick up as, as often. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and the size of commercial customer that is great for our pickup and delivery business, a lot of times isn't a good fit in a large linen company. They, you know, they definitely want higher dollar volumes because each of those stops takes a while. You got a bigger truck, you got to, you know, their process is just bigger and more cumbersome. So, well, well, tell me about your pickup and delivery operation. Can you describe it for me? Sure. Like, where would you like to start with it? I'll put that question back on you a little bit. Give me the basics. Uh, give me the, how many vehicles do you have on the road, your drivers? And then let's get into a little bit about uh, route development. I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. So we've got we've got three vehicles on the road five days a week. Got trying to think. Right now we've got four. In the summers we usually have five. So we've got kind of like two full time and and a few part time drivers to kind of fill in. 
with the three vehicles on the road, we have pretty big geography that we cover. Our furthest distance is about 30 miles from our store, but they're one of our biggest customers. So we're, we're happy to do that, especially in the summer. They do a vacation rental stuff, Airbnb things. So of those drivers, they're usually running big, pretty big laps too around the city. It's 80 to 90 miles in a route uh, per oh, wow. day. And okay. then for us, you know, commercial customers are all over the board. So we can do a cadence of once a, once a day, once a week, once every two weeks. Our, our software really helps with that. But our residential, we pick up on Mondays, return on Wednesdays, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday. So, Okay. All right. Well, how, how have you tweaked your routes over the years? I mean, I, I imagine, is that a constant thing or is, are you, have you been pretty set in your routes uh, of late? How does that work? So for us, we've always, I started the delivery side of the business. I had one or two kind of what I considered at the time sizable commercial customers. And we would, you know, load a van and take things directly to them. So it was, there wasn't much of a route. So to f- kind of fill in for the costs of those that vehicle, we started dry cleaning and pickup and delivery, which we outsourced to a friend of mine that owns a dry cleaner. And back then, before kind of the apps that we have today, and this was 12, 14, 12, 13 years ago, we did more of a route where you would just drive by all the houses and see if they had something to pick up. And we're nowhere near that today. Like, we're, we're when we drive our routes, which we make, you know, sort of in a circle or, or kind of an out and a back, whatever's easiest for that geography. We know on, through our software that whether we've got to pick up from that person or not, they either opt in or they have one set up every week. So that makes it a little different. Right, right, right. Well, you had alluded to uh, CLA's uh, Wash Dry Fold uh, workshop in Nashville, uh, which mm-hmm. was uh, recently concluded. And at that workshop, there was a lot of talk about route and route development and yep. uh, doing it you know, efficiently and uh, profitably. In your mind, what are the secrets to successful route development for a business? One of the biggest things, and it's, it's I found it very difficult to do, but if you're especially doing residential, how do you create density around a pickup? So if you, you know, say you're using Google ads or you have a set of people that, that started with your service and say, Hey, I want, I, I want service and they're five miles away. How do you get as many pickups along the way to that first stop as you can? How do you get the density in each one of those routes so that you're not driving, you know, 10 minutes between stops. I think that's the difference between a route, what I consider a route-based system and an order-based system. And if you're in a city where, you know, the density is there and maybe you're only going out five to 10 miles at the most, maybe it is easier because the density is in the place, but we're mostly suburban. So anything that we can do to get you know, a couple more customers around an existing customer, you know, the, you're already going out there. So the cost of getting there is, is, is nil. And now you're just adding another order on top. Right. Right. Absolutely. Those are great points. Great points. Also, also in Nashville, you moderated a fascinating panel on automation mm-hmm. as a way to increase productivity. Can, can you tell me about what types of automation you have going at, at, at Happy Laundry right now and how it's working for you? Sure. Sure. I was um, on the panel, 
Matt Pelton is an operator um, in Virginia. And one of the things, one of the things that he pointed out that I never really had thought about is really the first step in automation. If you're getting in the commercial business is to use automated injection soap in a machine. You can use it in standard laundry machines. For us, we do a lot of commercials. So we got specific uh, what they call on-premise laundry machines, but that's kind of our first round of automation. And that's the, that's the auto injected soap. So it works super slick for my staff. We, you know, we, we process such a wide variety of things. I kind of drove my chemical guy nuts in making, I think we have 22 programs that are set up for, you know, different types of fabrics and soil, some with bleach, some without some specialty for like walk on or walk off mats, you know, comforters, clothing, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the nice thing is they load the, the, the items into the washer, they close the door, they select the number program. That's, that's what they put in the machine. And then it's automated from there on out. They don't add anything. There's no soap they add in the top. It's automatically injected in the back. So that's the, that's, that was our first, you know, it took about a year to kind of work out, but that was our first round of automation. The second, which we purchased, I want to say May of this year, it was earlier. I, I, I put the order in in February, but met the guys at the clean show. We bought, uh, we bought a automated folding machine and we, it's a small piece folder. So a lot of think, think about a, a machine that you use for towels or we pre-fold kind of like twin sheets. We can fold them in half and put them through it. We'll do a French fold, which is kind of in thirds for the primary. And then it goes into some rollers in the back. And we'll, with air blasts, you can fold it any kind of number of ways three more times. So drops down onto a conveyor. And then the conveyor just stops right now. Eventually, we'll have a table at the end of it where it kind of pushes onto where things are packaged. But that has, I would say... You know, we probably increased our efficiency by twenty-five to thirty-five percent. We're we're not hundred percent on how good we can get there yet, but you can put more towels through that machine faster and more consistently than somebody can package them out the backside. So, you know, you're there's always a bottleneck in production. And you're just, you know, the automation has definitely helped us reduce labor a little bit and take on more business with the same people. And there's a new bottleneck, right? Right now it's in, now it's in packaging. So, right, you know, right. probably looking at an automated packager at some point. Right, right. You just shifted the bottleneck, uh, at, yeah. at least uh, for, for the time being. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating what's happening mm-hmm. with, with folding and, and the technology and I guess the next question is, where do you see the technology, you know, taking full service laundry in the future? Where do you see it in the coming years? You know, what was it? Was it Foldy Mate a number of years ago? Um, I think there was a couple folks in the community that 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 bought into their their prototype. Never got off the ground. It was something that was supposed to be neat, where you could just kind of lay the garment out and it would fold it for you. I mean, that would be nice. I don't know that I don't know in the next five to 10 years, there's going to be one that's going to be reasonably priced. But as far as technology that I've seen, this small piece folder that can take things that are either square or rectangle and make them smaller and stack them, that's as that's kind of as close to the majority of the automation that I see, other than 
you know, we may go to an ironer folder in our business at some point, you know, where you, where you're loading it, the sheets and it spreads them, irons them, and then folds them at the end. That would be ideal for us, but there'll always be some hand folding in our business just because we're not, you know, we're an industrial laundry is doing very set things and only that type of thing, whether that be napkins or a type of sheet or towels, we're, we're doing customer owned goods. So there, there are all kinds of different things. So my hope, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but my hope is that we get another piece of equipment down the line that can, you know, pick from a basket and, and lay it on these, uh, on these machines to be able to, to do quicker. That would be ideal. Right. Right. That would be ideal. Still leaving room for some, uh, some customization too. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Always, always. But I think in my, in my lifetime, we're, we're going to have, I, I don't think that uh, humans are going away from the, our laundry process anytime soon. Right, right. Ken, what's the biggest challenge of operating a full service laundry like yours or challenges? And how have you chosen to meet them? You know, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of, of people. Uh, so first, I just want to say what it's not. I mean, operating, if you're operating a small business, yes, it's difficult to manage a staff, but I think you, I think you have to change your mindset in, in that we don't have attendants in our full service laundry anymore. We, we actually call them laundry technicians because they, they're, they don't just attend to people's needs. They're actually production workers. So that, that's a huge thing. And the larger we've gotten, the more I've had to focus on leadership on developing people, on creating team, on creating a, a good environment where people want to work. So that's, you know, I, I mean, I guess that can be a challenge if you look at it, but I'm not, I, I don't want to sit here and say that I'm going to complain about not finding staff members because you can definitely do it and do it well. I'd say that the one that kind of crept up on me that I didn't see was the daily, the da daily or cyclical variation in volume. So, you know, we do a bunch of um, wedding venues and Airbnbs in the summers. That boosts our volume quite a bit because it's vacation season. But one of the challenges can be that now you've got to staff up for that for a period of time and say come September, October, that business might drop off because those two, you know, seasonal businesses are kind of over. And that, tri that trickles out through the holiday for us. And... You know, come January and February and March, there's still there's there's more staff than we need usually until it ramps back up again, starting maybe in April and May. In what ways has Happy Laundry evolved through the years? I know there's been changes in the last however many years we uh, we said at the outset. Yeah, yeah. Well, we originally, you know, when I started this business, and I, I joke because I, I said this to someone. They asked me how I got in the business. And I said, well, just like everybody else with the coin laundry, I expected to take a wheelbarrow full of money to the bank. You know, <laughs> right? This is a passive income <laughs> business where, <laughs> but we, you know, we started out as a laundry. I didn't buy the best laundry in, you know, I had only really half a trade area because the other half was industrial. You know, this is, and I, I sort of knew that going in, but I, there wasn't any others for sale that had a better trade area with a better lease, that kind of thing. So the evolving from coin laundry to now a couple of years down the road going, huh, this isn't going to work. So what do we do? And people, 
you know, were asking us for service. So that's really how we started down the service business. You know, I missed the boat a couple of times on not customers, but trends. Like in the beginning, I was like, who wants wash, dry, and fold? Who wants to outsource outsource their laundry, their regular laundry, if they have a wash machine at home? Like I just couldn't get that through my head. Now that's a big part of our business. You know, the one other one that just comes to mind is uh, SMS. I had the technology six, seven years ago, and I was like, who wants to be texted? Because I didn't until I realized that getting a reminder was helpful, like from my dentist and doctor. Of course, now you're getting a ton of texts all the time. So that's kind of how it's, how it's changed for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, it's definitely a night and day since uh, the beginning. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What sets Happy Laundry apart uh, from the competitors? I mean, and, and it's growing every day, wash, dry, fold, pick up and delivery. There's more, uh, more competition, you know, daily. So sure. what, what sets you apart and what gives you that competitive edge? Well, there's kind of a couple things on how I look at that. So one is that we're always in competition. So if it's on the wash, dry, fold side, you know, you're competing with a washer and a dryer in someone's house. But what you're, but what you're, what I feel like we're providing our customers is time, a smooth experience, less friction in the interaction. We pick up and deliver and it gives them time. Now, whether that's time to work or time to spend with kids. You know, I think one statistic I saw back in the day was the average family spends nine hours a week doing laundry. So that's one thing you can take off their plate. The other thing that sets us apart, especially in the commercial space, is our customer service. So we have a person that uh, is a customer service. We call her a customer service manager. She's on, on the phone and available during business hours Monday through Friday, which is super helpful for a lot of our customers if there's an issue. And it helps us head things off at the pass as far as challenges, or maybe we made a mistake in delivery or so that's, those are kind of the two. The other thing is for our larger customers, especially ones that I know, they have my cell phone number. So if you're a, if you're a large commercial customer that I've developed a relationship with and they need something, they can text me, they can call me. And, and that's just not something that a most businesses have if you're working with a, a large national company. Right, right. They might have right. a re- relationship with their driver, but I don't think that they have, you know, they're not talking to the owner. So. Right, right. Having that personal relationship with the owner. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess you could argue that another thing you know, factor that, that, that may set you apart is community involvement. And I, I know that that's important to you and Monica. Mm-hmm. For example, you're on the board of so. directors for, for a, a local youth center. Can you, yes. can you tell me about that, how you got involved and how that kind of, you know, aligns with, you know, your personal values and, and, and your business goals as well? Yeah. So I, uh, gosh, I've been on the board now eight or nine years. One of the, one of our neighborhood reps were my businesses located, very involved kind of in our community. What do they call them here? It's a, it's like a community group, but it's at the city level. So the city kind of has these neighborhood people that are in charge of like disseminating information and working through like block grants and different things. And so for our neighborhood, that person would ask me, you know, Hey, can you donate some soda? We're having a a community gathering once a year, or can I get my 
can I get my your your business name out here to the to the community that uses you? And absolutely. So we supported that a lot. And then one day I saw an email that a youth center that's just north of our kind of north of our business was looking for board members. And you know, that's kids are kids and having a safe place, especially for folks to go after school. That's that was a big deal to me. I was kind of a latchkey kid. And, you know, up until I was about 10 or 12, definitely had uh, some neighbor friends that and 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 a place that we went. And that was super beneficial for me. So it wasn't after till I got on the board that I realized that a couple of staff members from our dry cleaner, they took their kids there. And the neat thing about our, our youth center is, is that working parents can drop their kids off at six in the morning. They get, uh, the kids get fed a little breakfast, you know, have a little activity and then they get bused to school or we can drive them in our vans. We pick them up after school and then parents have until six o'clock to pick the kids up. So you know, we provide sort of a stopgap, especially for working parents in the in the center that I'm on the board of. So, I really like giving back in that way. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great project and a great way to give back to the community and uh, mm-hmm. just uh, very cool stuff, Kent. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, looking ahead, what what plans or or innovations do you have in mind uh, for the near future? Anything on the door, drawing board that you care to share? <laughs> yeah, thanks for the care to share part. Actually, my <laughs> wife and I uh, just this year purchased a warehouse facility that we are developing into our next location. Uh, we're going to consolidate all of our operations kind of in one in one area and in one building, which is going to be super nice because now we have two leased spaces and some storage where our building is. So it'd be it's going to be really nice to use that lean manufacturing knowledge to finally put together almost a straight line production from, from dirty coming in one side clean and, and developing clean laundry on the other, and then just taking it out the door and delivering it. So I'm super excited about, you know, probably the next six months of the build out and going through that process. But the, our next year is going to be very different with everybody under one roof. So right. that's sort of my biggest right my biggest one and others is just keeping, keeping on the process of uh, selling to new customers and doing what we do best. Right. No, very busy, very exciting. And uh, certainly good luck <laughs> with the, with that new, uh, that new project uh, coming up. Last one for you, Kent. And I, I really appreciate your time today because I know you're busy, but what, what's the best piece of advice you could give laundry owners who are thinking about getting into wash, dry, fold and pick up and delivery, which uh, a lot are these days. Yeah. So, man, I, there's so many little nuggets that, that have been given to me over the years. I would say one of the, one of the best ones um, that I get, I get joked on a little bit about by uh, my friend, Randy Roberts is, you know, learn, learn what to say no to. So especially if you're in the beginning stages and you start to put yourself out there as a commercial laundry or wash, dry and fold, lots of people are going to come and say, Hey, I've got this project, this kind of one-off thing that we look to do, whether it's huge theater curtains or American flags or boat covers, or I think the biggest thing that, that I, 
I said yes to way too many things in the very beginning. <laughs> and I got on all these little tangent squirrel paths and tangents that, that took me away from kind of norm, you know, what our bread and butter is, which is clothes, sheets and towels, fairly clean rectangular things that get folded and packaged and returned. I mean, it's, so if you can kind of, as a new operator, it might be, you know, super, oh, what's the word I want to use? It, it might be, it might be super enticing to go chase this, you know, maybe thousand dollar two, three thousand dollar order. But if it's just a one-off, I almost wonder if it's, if I'd have gone back in time, if we'd been in a much different place, if we'd said no to some of those things and said, and developed our wash, dry and fold residential program much earlier. Well, but it's hard to say no, especially in the beginning, right? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> that's if, if you could do it, that's if you could do it, that'd be great. <laughs> right. Right. That's everything I had, Ken. Is there anything maybe that I failed to ask or anything that you would like to get out there that laundry owners or those thinking about getting into the business could learn? Any Anything that, I don't know, that I, I neglected to uh, talk about? Well, I would just say to all the new owners out there, like, just have tenacity. If you, I mean, you're, you're going to run into situations where you mess something up or your staff does, or, you know, it's a, it's not the end of the world. So, you know, you've made mistakes, no big deal. Just make it right with the customer. And I, you know, the other thing that the mentality shift for me was, I don't think that the majority of our commercial or wash dry fold customers or people in, in life in general are out to try to scam us out of a quarter or, you know, take advantage of us. Sure, there's one or two. But at the end of the day, like if that's all kind of we're focused on, that seems to me what we're going to attract. So instead, you know, focus on delivering great service, you know, keep doing it day after day. Don't quit. Find a more efficient way to do it. I don't know. That's a, it's the best no, advice I, I, I can yeah, even no, give myself is just keep putting one yeah. foot in front of the other. That's great advice. Hey, Ken, thank you so much. I mean, it's no been problem. a pleasure. And uh, I always learn something when we talk. So thank you for, <laughs> uh, for taking some time with me today. Absolutely. No problem, Bob. Anytime. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at planetlaundry.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. 